handicaps underway here on ESPN. Plus, Sebi Salazar, Hercules Gomez. Herc, what does it say about the Mexico-Guatemala match that the best thing that came out of it was a meme? Uh, love. Love is not a joke, Sebi. I don't know who taught you that, but love should be valued. Come on. Plenty to discuss from uh, Mexico, Guatemala. Mexico, three nothing winners in the Gold Cup. John Sutcliffe going to be by to talk about that. We're going to hear from Ricky Ortiz as well. Kathleen McNamee. Also, as we look ahead to the Olympics starting next week. And a reminder, everything you see here on Football Americas, you can listen to as well. We are now available in podcast form. Just search for us wherever you find your podcast under the ESPN FC feed. All right, Herc, we are just about, what, maybe three hours from kickoff of the United States against Martinique in the Gold Cup. So uh, let's start there with a look ahead to tonight's festivities in Kansas City. Let's start big picture here, because this is a big mismatch, okay? Martinique can't even qualify for the World Cup. They're a French department. Their players are supposed to represent France. They can only play in CONCACAF tournaments. Okay. Mexico famously once beat him in a game that Zaga scored seven goals. Impresionante. I know you remember that. Okay. You know, production, they always want to put us in the spot of being the bad guys. I'm going to say it was the producers this time. The producers want us to guess whether the following players are the players fans want in the lineup tonight or don't want to see in the lineup tonight. Okay? So I'll name the player, Herc, and you tell me in which of those two categories they fit in. Let's start with one of the young guys. Okay? Let's start... With the kid, Gianluca Buzio, from his own hometown, Sporting Kansas City. Well, not hometown, but where he plays his pro ball. He's from North Carolina. Does he fit into the want to see him or don't want to see him category? I need to see him. I need to see him. Can, can, can somebody tell me if it's Buzio or Buzio? Can somebody please tell me first which one it is? This kid, I mean, he's the youngest player since Freddie Adu to sign in Major League Soccer at 15 years of age. Everybody knew he was going to be the next big thing. He's playing in his home market of Kansas City. When he came onto the field, the fans exploded. And guess what? This U.S. men's national team came to life. He has a composure to his game with bite. He's got the ability in tight spaces to drive forward. He has the intelligence to combine in those tight spaces, and he makes What's players around him play. What's his best position, Herc? What That's position a good does he play? How Seb, would you describe it? I'm glad you mentioned that, because I've seen a lot of people already bring up Tyler Adams. We need a six. We need somebody behind Tyler Adams, because Tyler Adams is not proven to be healthy. Yes, he could play that, but I see him as a hybrid. He's very much a yeah. box-to-box player. He's, he adds just, just as much value on the defensive end as he does on the offensive end. And by the way, my man can strike a ball. Have you seen his free kicks for Sporting Kansas City? This kid, for 19 years of age, he's brash, he's confident, and he wants this opportunity. And he could very well be the very next big thing out of Major League Soccer to Europe. He, he, and he almost scored in his debut on a long-distance shot. I mean, he took a great save. Uh, here, who else is interested in Gianluca Busio? Venezia, Fiorentina, Spezia out of Syria, Sporting reportedly out of Portugal, Gank out of Belgium. So these are clubs in Europe that have an eye on this kid. So as much as we're interested in him, so are others abroad, which is probably why everybody wants to see him in the starting all 11. All right, uh, another player. Which category does Sebastian Legette, another midfielder, where does he fit in? A player that fans want to see or a player that fans have seen enough of? I think this is a player that fans don't want to see anymore and... and I don't understand it. I think he's a very good footballer. This is a guy, and I'm going to separate a few players here. He has Major League Soccer stench on him, lifer stench on him, and most fans... What do you mean stench? What do you mean stench? What do you mean by that? The fans, they associate, if you're going to stick around Major League Soccer for an extended period of time, as if I'm over with you. There's Mm. a subdivision of U.S. fandom that doesn't like Major League Soccer. I think it's subpar. These uh, Euro snobs, if you will, they don't value it. Do they have a point? Herc, do they have a point? I mean, the, the point that they're making is that well, MLS is an inferior level. Okay, and it's Sebastian Legette an inferior level player. player. That should I'm be the question. Asking, do they have a point? Well, this is, this is I, think it's, I think it's not a question that should be asked because if you think that Major League Soccer is the same or higher level as you see in Europe, you don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's one, okay? Very easy. That, end of argument. But if you're trying to tell me he's not a very good player, you don't know what you're talking about. End of argument. This is a very good player, a dual uh, weapon on the field, box to box. You can put him on the 10 spot. You can put him on the wings. He's very good on the defensive side of the ball. He's very good on the offensive side of the ball. He produces goals, assists, good teammate. You can plug him in anywhere. He has value to this team. The fact that he's 28 years old 
and he's still in Major League Soccer, to a lot of fans, that's the issue. That's the issue at hand. Not Sebastian Legette and his quality. Absolutely. I wonder, too, if people forget that he wasn't really a part of the last right. World Cup qualifying cycle. Like, he got his minutes in there, but it was actually when things were going well, then he gets hurt, and you can actually trace a lot of the U.S. frustrations and failures right. throughout that summer San Jose and into the fault. Maybe it's the fact that Sebastian Legette isn't a part of that group. All right, next on this list, Eric Williamson of the Portland Timbers. Want him in the lineup or want him on the bench, Hurt? I, I want him in the lineup. I, I love this kid. I know you have... A soft spot, I mean, a soft spot excuse yep. me, in your heart for him because he's a local product, but he's such a good footballer. I, I got to watch him a lot last year and call a lot of his games at Portland. He's a real box-to-box -box player, actual bite, but he's got a physical presence about his game, the ability to drive forward with the ball on his foot, the ability to combine, the ability to join in on the attack, but he doesn't forget his defensive responsibilities. He's a good player, a good footballer, and he's 24. So I want to see him at this level to see if he could potentially make the next step and go to Europe. Do you think he's got a shot at 22, or is he a player that we identify more thinking in 2026? Okay. For him, it's got to be 2022. He's 24 years old. Okay. Are okay. we going to wait until he's 27, 28 years old for him to really get his first shot, his first chance? You don't want that as a footballer. Right now... I think there's a legitimate shot for a lot of these players in that central position. If you're gonna, if you're gonna tell me Jackson Ewell, the Will Traps, those players that have had their opportunities are locks behind Tyler Adams, I don't buy it. Eunice Musa, who Greg Berhalter sees as an offensive uh, weapon, not a two-way player, I don't buy it. I think there's room there for a spot to be one. All right, you know where else? Greg Berhalter has tried a lot of options, still doesn't have his final answer. That's at the number nine spot. Yassi Zardes next on our list. Do fans want him in the 11 or not? And this is the one player that fans do not want in the 11. And it's a difficult situation as a player to be in because to no fault of his own, if you're a number nine, what should you do? Score goals. And if you're not scoring goals as nine, what should you do? Bring others into the play to score goals. Well, he's the second fastest player to reach double digits in goals and assists in the U.S. men's national team's history. And yet he's the most polemic figure with fans. Why? Because he's not your prototypical nine. Is this an MLS thing too, Herc? Is this an MLS thing too, you think? Yes, but I will add a different layer to it. This is also a Greg Berhalter thing. And most mm. fans did not buy into Greg Berhalter because of Major League Soccer. And he's a Greg Berhalter lifer. A, a player that's very well aware of his system and very well versed in that system. So they associate Greg Berhalter, Major League Soccer, Giassi Zardes. They forget that he's 29 years old and... There was a time with the LA Galaxy that they had him playing as a right back. Now he's a, he's a designated player for the Columbus Crew. He's a goal scorer. He's a man that actually will get you opportunities and can be effective. But if you're asking if fans want to see him, he's the one player fans do not want to see. I'm trying to remember in your top five U.S. strikers of the moment if Jassy Zardes was in it. I know that the next guy we're going to bring up, Daryl DK, was in fact in your top five. I can't remember where I think in your three. top five he was. But based on that, I'm, I'm guessing you want him in the eleven. I want him in the 11. I know he's got a fitness issue right now, but he's 21 years old. He just turned 21. And when given an opportunity, Orlando City, Barnsley, the U.S. men's national team, he produces goals every time he's involved in a play. He's making a run or the ball is at his foot or he's pressuring a defender. I get up. My butt's out off the chair. I want to see what's going to happen. You can't deny the physical presence. His speed, the power, but the intelligence that goes with it. He's such a savvy player, and I don't think he gets that credit. The way he pressures defenders, the way he goes about using his body, how opportunistic he is. Look at those highlight goals. They're goals of all kinds. Mm. Headers, outside the box, one-timers, a dribble here, a feed there. He's a very intelligent player, and he's 21 years of age. And for fans, the prospect of a player being 21 like this with the ability to explode for the next decade that's mouthwatering absolutely and i wonder i wonder i wonder if we're going to see him make that big jump anytime soon all right speaking of big jumps let's make the big jump to kansas city right now what hours ahead of the game two and a half hours a game there he there is ricky ortiz been covering the united states men's national team throughout the gold cup he joins us now from Kansas City. Ricky, we're going we're gonna to come on here. We're going to talk soccer. We're going to talk football. But i got to ask you to put on your meteorologist hat now. What's, what's going on out there with the weather, and how's it going to impact the game? 
Hey guys, how, how are you? It's it's raining. It's going to rain all night. Um, the the game is still going on. It's going on both of them. There's no problem. It's not going to be moved like in other other stadiums, other cities. But I'll tell you what. It's raining. It's fine. I'll stand in a tornado just to be with you guys right now. There okay. it is. That's why we love <laughs> Ricky. Uh, it's here such on, a, uh, such a pleasure. Here yeah. on Football Americas. We gave him the extra work. Go ahead, Herc. I, I will tell you this. Uh, if weather is going to be an issue, you have to wonder how much that could play against the U.S. men's national team because this is going to be a much more organized team, a team that's probably going to treat the ball a lot better than Martinique. And if you're Martinique, Knowing that the weather can play a factor and a defender slips or there's miscommunication or any different type of circumstances that can dirty the game, uh, maybe tilt the game in your favor or more of the balance in your favor, that goes to Martinique. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, they, they lost bad the other day. I'm sure they want to come back and, and, and have a better presentation, a better show on the field. Definitely the weakest team of this group, uh, but they didn't show much. And I know they're strong up front. Uh, Coach Bellhauter talked about that. But the reality is, is that this uh, U.S. team is much better. I was listening to you guys. I agree with most of it. Um, that first game, they haven't been together that much, but there was a lot of positive on this team and I'm sure that today um, they're going to want to go one notch higher and, and this is what what they're building on to make it to the final and win it. Remember they said this is not an experiment they're coming here to win it and they got to go game by game and this is a, a great opportunity. They need to create more situations uh, they need to, to keep the ball more in, in, in midfield and I think it's a great scenario rain or no rain so I'm looking <laughs> for, for um, some good stuff going on with the United States. Ricky, you've been uh, covering the U.S. throughout the Gold Cup, even before the tournament began. I know last week you sat down with Sebastian Legette. Folks can catch that interview over on our ESPN FC YouTube yeah. channel. This week, I know you got a chance yeah. to speak with Shaq Moore. Let's listen in now to that interview. Coach, uh, Bohartor tells you before kickoff that you're starting. What goes through your mind? Uh, I mean, a little bit of nerves. Obviously, you know, three, three years away, you kind of have those nerves coming in, but... Um, but no, the only thing I was thinking was just trying to take advantage of the opportunity, turn that kind of nervous energy into positive energy, and hopefully try to perform. How satisfied were you with your performance the other day against Haiti? Uh, I think it was a good performance. Obviously, you know, you can always get better, you know, both attacking and defending. But I think it's a good starting point to, to get better during the tournament and the next game. And obviously, as a team, I think we, we want, you know, but still there's stuff we can do better. But I think it's a good starting point going into the next game. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since your last stint, uh, stint with the national team. How are you fitting in? Oh, well, I know most of the guys already, you know, from youth camps or being in the, in the camps before. So the, the transition has been easy. You know, the guys have been helping me out. The coaches have been helping me out. So the transition has been easy. Obviously, you want, you want to build the chemistry, you know, quickly as we can and translate that to the field. But so far, so good. All right. There are quite a few right backs on the national team. Judlin, Des, Cannon. Um, what do you have to do to get um, on the roster for the World Cup qualifier? Uh, I think I just need to just keep doing what I'm doing, just, you know, try to compete, try to, you know, take advantage of every opportunity that I can. Obviously, you know, like you said, there's a lot of competition in that spot, but I just want to make the decision as hard as possible on, on Coach Greg, and um, I'll go from there. Tell us your story. How does a kid from Georgia go to Valencia and then to Tenerife? Yeah, so I was actually in the, in the residency program with the national team, so I was playing there. Obviously, after that, we went to training in, in Dallas until... It was a uh, time where I was going to sign homegrown or go go overseas, and I decided to go to to overseas. And I started at um, Huracan Valencia, a small club, just to kind of get my my feet wet in the European game. And then, obviously, started you know bouncing around a bit. Went to Oviedo, went to Levante, really found a home there, and now I'm in Tenerife. Can you describe your development and experience in the last two years playing in Spain? Yeah, so last two years was with Levante, finished contract there, actually went on to Reus, another small club, yeah. but um, unfortunately we didn't have money there, so the club folded like mid-season, okay. so imagine, you know, starting the season in August, you know, all this illusion to, oh, I'm finally going to get, you know, first team minutes on a regular basis, and then we didn't get paid for like three, four months, and now you're like, wow, what do I do now, you know, so... You know, the club folds and I have to go back to Levante actually with the second team because I didn't really have, you know, any off. I didn't really prove myself. I proved myself, but not really on a regular basis. And then um, and last year, the opportunity came to, to go to Tenerife and, and um, just a place to kind of get my feet wet, kind of get more games on a consistent basis. And then 
this year I kind of think I took it to the next level. Kelly Nacosta said that more guys need to play like you did the other night. How does that make you feel? Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't see that, that uh, no? Kelly uh, said that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a compliment. Obviously, you know, you always want the, the team you know, to do well. I don't like to, you know, make it all about me. But, um, yeah, I think as a group going forward, if we can, you know, just start from the intensity start standpoint of the game, I think I think it'll be all right. So, obviously, thank you to Kellen. But, yeah, it's a, it's a team, team sport. So <laughs> Good. You can thank him later. <laughs> I'll tell you. All right. Um, what do you need? To, what do you think you need to improve mo uh, on the most? Uh, I think a little bit on everything. You know, probably you know communication on on defense. You know, just getting guys on the line. Obviously, playing in the back, I see the whole field, and um, I would say probably an offensive end trying to be a little bit more lethal. You know, whether that's crosses, whether that's shot off, whether that's goal, just kind of take that next step. Obviously, as well. So I think a little bit of everything, but I think those things will probably you know do the team well. Ricky Ortiz and Shaq Moore. Ricky, great interview. I wanted to ask because I saw in the email that your producer sent that you also did an interview with Shaq in Spanish. I'm wondering how is his Spanish and how does he seem to be kind of acclimating to what it is to be a professional footballer in Spain? Yeah, um, a great guy. Uh, feet on the ground, head on his shoulders. I can tell you right now, uh, he speaks Spanish perfectly. He's been there since 2014, 2015. He loves it. He loves the culture. He says he loves sending pictures to his friends in December, sitting on the beach with flip-flops and, uh, and a bathing suit. So uh, life is good so far for him. Um, he learned a lot. It's great. Let's, let's not forget that um, when Reggie Cannon got hurt, he just found out uh, a few hours before the game he was starting. And, and I believe he was the best player on the field the other day against Haiti. Um, I like what he says. I like it, his attitude. Everything is positive. He wants to make this team, and I think he has a good shot. Um, everybody talked about him. Everybody said he was uh, wonderful that day, um, and, and nothing. He's going day by day, step by step. He knows. Uh, at the end, um, when we were saying goodbye, I said, listen, I'm going to see you in a good team this year, right? Are you going to play champions or what? He goes, yeah, you're right, I am. Like He, he was laughing, but he, he wants to grow. He wants to move forward. He's not satisfied. He wants to keep going. I, I love that. I love that attitude from him and, and, and a lot of this U, these U.S. players. you got to have that ambition. you got to have that confidence. All right, Ricky, we will hear from you uh, throughout the rest of the yeah. Gold Cup as you follow the U.S. team. Try um, to stay dry, my man. One thing. I'm going to stay dry, but I'm going to tell you something else. At the hotel today, we saw scouts from Manchester United. Woo! We don't know yet okay, exactly Ricky. who it is, who are they coming to see, but you heard it first. They're here. Then they changed. They tried to camouflage me, but no, they're not going to get me. I, you know, I'm going to keep Man looking. Man United, all right. 99.99% they're here. Come That's on, DK. Come on, Lucio. Let's go. All right, you got to sneak into that suite, Wait, Ricky, and find out who they're watching, okay? That's for the next report here on Football America. All right. Take care, guys. All right, there he is, uh, Ricky Ortiz from a rain-soaked Kansas City. Uh, as the uh, U.S. and Martinique about to face off. Hey, uh, some big news here for Sam Vines. Remember, got his goal against Haiti. Now it looks like he's all but set for a move from the Colorado Rapids to Royal Antwerp in Belgium, Herc. Uh, Royal Antwerp and Belgium, they were third in the Belgian League. This isn't just any team. Listen, the Belgian League is a league that's a great trampoline to bigger and better. Big players have played in Belgium. This is a great move for Sam Vines, who I, th I think still has a lot to learn tactically. What a great league to keep developing. And some love for your beloved Colorado Rapids. He's a 22-year-old Colorado Rapids homegrown. Let's give him some Look credit, right? What do you want? This is what Colorado yeah. does. They got, it must, they got be all, it must be all that investment from Kroenke. <laughs> yes, That's what exactly. it is. Um, all right, how about Ethan Horvath? Speaking of investment, investing in the uh, future of the United States, Ethan Horvath is going to be joining on a free from Club Bruges in Belgium, Nottingham Forest in the English Championship, Herc. Uh, the second division, the second tier of English football. What do you think? Good move, bad move for Horvath? Uh, well, hold on a second. Backup in the Belgian League or an opportunity to start in the championship. I think this is a great move if he plays. Mm. Do not forget, Zach Steffen hasn't quite proved to be the healthiest of players over the last 18 months or the last couple of years. So if he's playing day in, day out, every weekend, and something happens... It's right there. He's in line. He's fighting for that position if he's playing. But if he's not playing, 
that opens up the door for any other goalkeeper who is playing, regardless of the level. I'm not worried about him being on a championship team, Herc. I'm worried about him being on the 17th place team in the championship last year when you talk about like confidence and if a guy just gets shelled and pummeled, uh, could he potentially lose that? I think the bigger question here, and maybe it's one for another show, is is it better to be a starter on the best team in the, sorry, a, a starter in the championship or a bench player on the best team in the Premier League? Because that's really the question now between the two U.S. goalies, your number one, Zach Steffen, and now your number two, Ethan Horvath. Yeah, I would say there's a huge difference from being a starter in championship to bench in city and playing under Pep Guardiola and being behind play. Ederson. you got to play. The way you're you not develop playing, you're not and playing. the way you learn the game are much different than being somewhere like the championship, and you know this, Sebi. Okay. All right, so he can build out of the back really well then. Great. And every time that the U.S. tries to build out of the back, you complain about it. You complain about it. Don't but now we're going to build me. that up. Chipotle okay, but me. that's the tiebreaker then for All Zach right. Steffen. They can play out of the back. Great. Awesome. That's not the tiebreaker. He's number one right now. That's a tiebreaker. Um, all right, let's give the tie break to Tanner Tessman because he's moving on from FC Dallas to Venezia in Syria. And this hurt. This is what impressed me about this move. After just 26 MLS appearances, he's already Syria already. Yeah, I, I, well, uh, we're showing an own goal, which is great, I guess. <laughs> Tanner Testament, uh, good size, good presence, 19 years of age. They must seriously see potential because he's only played 452 minutes this last season for FC Dallas. He started all of six times, and this is crazy. It, it seems like every week, every month, we are learning of different players going abroad, players who don't really have great resumes within Major League Soccer, but they're banking on their potential. Talk about potential. You know who saw potential in him? Dabo Swinney, the uh, the Clemson head coach, gave him both a they gave him a football scholarship, had a soccer scholarship, but obviously chose. Uh, Do you FC see that Dallas. graphic with the FC Dallas players who went abroad? If there's one club that at least at that level they haven't figured it out in the first team level trying to win, but at least at that level exporting players, giving these up, giving these players a platform and letting them go, it's FC Dallas. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Mexico taking on Guatemala last night in the Gold Cup after a long, long rain delay at the Cotton Bowl. Mexico goes on to win 3-0, had a couple of goals, including a, a great one to start from Funes Mori, Orbelin Pinedo with a goal and a beautiful assist on Funes Mori's second goal of the night. Herc, uh, it is not the school year, but let's give grades. What do you grade this Mexico performance? Uh, A. I'll give it an A. Hey. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Oh my, you're the easiest teacher ever. No, no, no. The U.S. No, just has to win against Martinique, and Mexico gets an A for beating Guatemala. This version of Guatemala. Golearon, any version. Wow. I, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of people like you saying it was the worst Germany in its history. It's the worst Guatemala, and that's why they got scored. Hold on, time out. They scored three goals and won the game. They had over 70% possession, shot 17 times on goal. Against Trinidad, they had 82% possession. They had 30 shots. All they didn't do against Trinidad was put the ball in the back of the net. They did it today. They, they, they handled teams in CONCACAF, and people want to keep bringing up excuses. Their best player goes down, and the next guy comes up, and he has a great game. What do you want? What do you want, Sebastian Salazar? I want more dominance, especially against this level of competition. Dominance this is the A is team. Sense. A week ago, Guatemala wasn't even That's in this tournament. Nice. I was sat on this show telling you that Curacao was going to be the surprise <laughs> team of the Gold Cup. Well, guess what? They're not in the tournament. Guatemala took their place. These guys weren't ready. This Salazar is, this strikes is, again. This is a this is a last-minute version of a team that yeah. wasn't good enough to qualify for this tournament. And and here's the reality. And, and I know you'll agree with me here. There was 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning yeah, of that 15. game yeah. 
where Mexico looked vulnerable. And yes. against this version of Guatemala, that scares me because I think, well, what happens later in the tournament against better competition? What happens in World Cup qualifiers against better competition? What happens if you make it to the World Cup in better World competition? Cup qualifiers? If they're going to play against the same teams. It is, if this, this is CONCACAF. If this Guatemala, if this version of Guatemala can threaten you, that scares me, Herc. That Seth, really, really you were worries sitting me here, from Mexico. You were sitting here last program Captain. we did, and you were almost in tears because not only is Raul Alonso Jimenez not involved mm -hmm. in the Gold Cup, but Chucky Lozano is not involved in the Gold Cup. You're sitting here in tears because Diego Linus is with the Olympic team. You're sitting here in tears because of what Mexico has to put out. Because we're talking about if Efrain Alvarez is the natural replacement for Chucky mm -hmm. Lozano. And now you're going to tell me winning 3-0 in Gold Cup isn't good enough for this team when you have 70% position. I'll give it to you this way, okay? Orbelin Pineda. You know what he said after this game about scoring goals against Guatemala? It's almost better when we score because it gives us a feeling of we're not overcomplicating ourselves. That's okay. the way they see it. The only ones who can get in their way are themselves. I would ask, can I finish, Herc? Okay. Can I finish? But you know who can finish? Is Mexico. And that's the oh, real problem from this game. That's the real problem. With 10 minutes left in this game, it was still 2-0 against this Guatemala because they couldn't finish. The game was still up in the air with 10 minutes left to go. And you know it. You don't want to accept it. But you know it. Look, if there was a good performance, it's a guy you just mentioned, Orbelin Pineda. He has the goal, the one that clinches the game, 79th minute, to finally make it 3-0. He also just has a beautiful setup on the 55th minute goal for Funes Mori. He wore the pseudo number 10 there. Uh, did he look the part? Oh, this is so difficult. He had a very good game. Very good player. He's creative. He's got the ability to make things happen You know, in half spaces. He can do things that most players can't. But you're going to compare him to Chucky Lozano because that's the place of who he's taking, right? And they're going to be asked about Chucky Lozano. And they were asked if he's the natural replacement for Chucky Lozano. And even Tata Martino said, it's not Orbelin Pineda. The most natural selection for a replacement for Chucky Lozano, he said, was Uriel Antuna. His ability to stretch the game, his ability to, to have that 1v1 presence, to be vertical, uh, to put defenders on their heel, to get behind him, it's Uriel Antuna. That tells you about Orbelin Pineda and where he's at in this pecking order. But he had a good game. I can't tell you that he didn't. He's 25. I wonder if he's at that age where he's still young enough to maybe make a Euro move. I mean, if we're talking about being a starter in the Mexican national team, all the success he's had with Cruz Azul, maybe, maybe he could be ready for a Euro move. Or is that, is that window closed, Turk? No. Last week, just last week, we were hearing uh, rumors and murmurs about Celta de Vigo being interested in Orbelin Pineda. So that's not out of the equation. The thing is, he, he's... Such a hot commodity in Liga MX. He needs to make the decision because he makes very good money whether he wants to stay at Cruz Azul, re-sign the contract there, or go to Tigres who wants a Miguel Herrera, sign a bigger contract there, or take a pay cut, smaller contract than those both, and go to Europe. All right, enough from us on the game between Mexico and Guatemala. After all, we watched it on a television. Let's go to someone who was there Live, John Sutcliffe joining us now here on Football Americas. John, uh, great to be with you. You heard Herc gave Mexico an A for their performance last night at the yeah, Cotton Bowl. Yeah, yeah. What grade would you give Mexico for the game against Guatemala? Set us straight here. <laughs> I would get, I would give it a, a B. Herc, you gotta relax. I look at the Mexican national team like if it was a boat that was flooding on Saturday. Last night here in the Cotton Bowl, they got some of the water out. They have a better direction where to go, but take it easy. They're just starting to follow the waves and trying to get into the right direction. Sure, it was a positive day. Mexico won. Nobody got hurt. Nobody screamed. The fans reacted well. But at the end of the day, Guatemala barely got into the tournament. I think it'll be a step up on Sunday against El Salvador because Salvadorians are going to pack the stadium. I think it's the best opportunity the Salvadorian team has had to beat Mexico outside Estadio Cuscatlan in San Salvador. So relax, Irk, little by little. Yes, wow. they won, but there's still a lot to be done. They, they just got some water out of the boat, out of the boat. So relax. Mexico <laughs> has a lot to do. Yes, Funes Mori is a, a boost of confidence. Since Raul Jimenez got hurt, it, it, and Tata is happy because when Funes Mori scores goals, less people talk about why yeah. Chicharito's not 
in the Mexican and, and national team. And John, so I want to go there. Was, it, it I want to go there right night. now. I want to go there yes. with Funes Mori. But I want you to listen to this. Uh, Tata Martino actually had something very interesting to say about Funes Mori and his, well, criticism of being on the national team. La verdad es que siento que lo que suceda con él va a tener un análisis de acá este, eh, que no terminará nunca, ¿no? que cada partido será un análisis de él, este, más allá de, de que yo lo que entiendo es que hay, debería haber un análisis si, si la decisión este, aporta o no aporta a la selección, y lo que sí entiendo que puede haber este, opiniones respecto a estar en contra de naturalización de futbolista, pero después en cuanto habría que darle un corte en cuanto a lo que respecta a las características y, a, y al aporte que puede hacer futbolísticamente el jugador. Now, John, before we get into Tata Martino and what he had to say about Funes Mori, you're a man of the people. The people love you. You're always around them. What kind of reception did the Mexican people at the stadium give Funes Mori? They gave him a great, a great reception. Obviously, Irk, he's not a rock star yet. More fans are, are, are about Tecatito or, or even before Chucky got hurt. But at the end of the day, fans come to see the Mexican national team to have fun. He scores goals, they're going to be happy. So it's a step by step. Yes, he's scoring, they're happy, and at the end of the day, that's what counts. But you're not going to be seeing Funemori's jerseys on Sunday. You're still going to see more Chicharito jerseys, even if he's not here. John, you mentioned earlier the chant. I just want to go back to last night and kind of get a sense of what you heard, not just in the stadium, if indeed you did hear any of the chant, but before the game, like what is being said to these fans? What are these fans saying about whether they're going to do the chant uh, or not? It, it, it was great. I did not hear the chant. I think CONCACAF with this saying of si está mal, está mal. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Hey, there was only 15,000 people, but I think it was great news not to hear the chant, taking into account that the last two games in Dallas are friendly in AT&T, and on Saturday, also in AT&T against Trinidad and Tobago, there were issues. Concacaf is analyzing some kind of punishment. So it, it was, I would say, baby steps in the sense that the fans did not chant, they reacted well, but this is something that's going to be going game by game because after the friendly in the LA Coliseum against Nigeria, we thought, hey, it's been fixed. Nobody yelled and what happened against Trinidad and Tobago. So yes, it was positive night for everybody, for the Mexican Federation, but at the end of the day, we still got to see how they react on Sunday. And I don't think Sunday we'll have 15,000 fans. I would think we'll be close to 40,000. John, you're very well connected in the Mexican Federation. Has there been a sense of panic within the Mexican Federation and the higher ups because of this yes. chant, this homophobic chant? Oh, yes. They're very worried because this is like if you've been investigating, investigated for different uh, things. The only thing that's been official is that FIFA announced to the Mexican team a two-game ban from home games in the World Cup qualifying for what happened in the Olympic practice, in the Olympic tryout in Guadalajara. So they still have to find out what does CONCACAF and FIFA think about what happened in AT&T against Iceland, what happened those two games in Denver against Costa Rica and the States, and the one on Saturday. So yes, they are very worried. I think the Mexican national team bosses, jefes, know that it's very possible that every World Cup home qualifying game in Estadio Azteca will be played at closed doors. Mm, what a scene. What a sight that would be. All right, uh, John Sutcliffe, we got to let you go. Thanks so much for joining us here on Football Americas, and we'll hear from you next week after Mexico wraps up the group phase against El Salvador. Thanks for the time. Thanks. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. There goes John Sutcliffe, our compañero here on ESPN. Here we make the dramatic turn 
Back to Major League Soccer and dramatic because there seems to be drama between Joseph Martinez and his manager, Gabriel Heinze, the Argentine legend. Here's what he said after we found out today that Joseph Martinez is training on the side and not because he's injured, but because of a coach's decision. Quote, he doesn't have any kind of fitness problem. It's my decision that he trains away from the team. He'll continue to train on his own. Heinze continued, I have my reasons and I'm very clear on those reasons. Maybe internally, not externally. Herc, where do you think this ends up? I can't believe Chris Armas is still doing this. I cannot <laughs> Wait, what? What is going <laughs> on? Like, we're going to ostracize the biggest figures in Major League Soccer, the club legends. That's what we're going to do. Gabriel Heinze can be a very good coach. Gabriel Heinze could have good intentions. But you need to be transparent. This is the biggest figure in your club's history. This is a man that when he was healthy before that ligament tear, destroyed records, absolutely shattered things. All he wanted to do was score goals, and in the process, Atlanta won everything. And he won everything. He won everything as far as MLS Cup MVP, MLS MVP, MLS All-Star Game MVP. If they were playing marbles, he wanted to win. Now, I would ask, where did this come from? What's going on? And where does this frustration stem from? Because if I'm an Atlanta United fan, these last two years have been insufferable for me. I'm about to give up. I'm about to stop going to the stadium, stop giving my hard-earned money to this club. Atlanta set the bar so high with Tata Martino, so high with that early regime. To see what has transpired, what has unfolded as a fan, disheartening. I'm, I'm interested that you made the Josie Altidore comparison because as soon as I saw this story, I immediately thought, Josie Altidore, Chris Armas, Josie Altidore won out, exactly the same outcome that we're headed to in Atlanta. And it's, it's, it's we a little bit... We, we knew, we knew, sorry, I don't want to cut you out, but we knew a little bit more with Josie Altidore. We don't know okay. anything yet. It's a little bit a symptom of MLS, though, in that the players, especially if you're a designated player contract, you have so much power. You are not just irreplaceable... You're almost impossible to move within mm. the league. I'm suggesting a little bit here, Herc, that these stars, I don't know if have too much power, but they got way more power than the coaches. We just saw it with Armas, and I don't think it's going to play out any different in Atlanta. Huh. Do you? Well, they make more money than the coaches. Uh, their contracts are going to be uh, around a lot longer than the coaches. If you want to offload their salaries, mm -hmm. it's a much more difficult process to do so. So, yes, I would say they have more power. But we see this in lots of leagues in North America. We see this in lots of leagues, soccer leagues around the world. It is what it is when it comes to superstars. Now, if you want high-profile players in Major League Soccer, they will be DPs, and they will have that money. And with that money comes that power. But Gabriel Heinze has a lot of power as well. And Gabriel Heinze right now is putting himself behind the eight ball because he doesn't want to be yep. transparent. He doesn't want to say what's going on. All we know, crisis mode, and Joseph is no longer there. The man that is most loved by the fan base is no longer there. Do we, do we almost, though, have some respect here for Heinze? Because clearly this doesn't make his team better. Like, he's clearly putting his foot in the ground Have you seen them play? Something. Have you seen them play lately? No, nah, they're 10th in the East. They're uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, so with them or without them being better, I, I don't know what that means. I will defer judgment until I know what's going on. And that's the worst thing about this. He can say, I have my reasons. But until we know those reasons, mm -hmm. you're the reason. Yeah, sounds also like Tata Martino Chicharito. Uh, everybody knows the reason, but we're not going to say the reason. All right, Atlanta will be back in action as uh, MLS is back following a very brief Gold Cup first round break. Atlanta United, the New England Revolution. That game on ESPN and ESPN Deportes Saturday starting at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And then on Sunday afternoon, you got a Western Conference clash. Minnesota United against Hertz' beloved Seattle Sounders FC. That one starts 2 p.m. Eastern Time, also on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
At long last, the Tokyo Olympics are finally about to begin. Kathleen McNamee joins us now for a full preview of the women's football tournament. Of course, you know from her great work over at ESPN.com. Just recently, she was over at Wimbledon as well. So getting it in on all fronts, Kathleen. Let's, um, let's get into this tournament a little bit. And I'm glad we've got you on because we need a, a perspective that's a little bit different from the U.S. women's national mm -hmm. team perspective that we always seem to go down, uh, talk about on this show. So let's start with players to watch. And I know the first player on your list is Mana Iwabuchi of the home side, the Japanese team. This is a favorite player of mine. I'm curious why you picked her. I think I picked her because I think she's the sort of player that a lot of people forget about sometimes. She spent last season in Aston Villa in the WSL and I think a lot of people were confused by a player of her talents. Like obviously she played with Bayern Munich, she's won World Cup, she's been a finalist before. Why she went to a club like Aston Villa where she possibly deserved a higher place and we've seen that already this season. She's gone to Arsenal, she's linking up with Miedema and Lisa and since that she played with before. And I just think that she has the vision, she has the attacking prowess, she has so shown that she's so eager to work in the build-up, and she's the sort of player that I think will really make a difference for Japan. Iwabuchi's one of those players too, Herc, you'll appreciate this. Bangers only. She doesn't score a ton My of goals, type but of when she does, they are fantastic goals. I remember one from the uh, She Believes Cup in particular. All right, Kathleen, another player that you chose was a bit of a surprise to me. Jordan Wiedema, not because she's a great player, but because... The goals at club level for PSG maybe haven't been there. Yeah, I think she really is one to watch. We had her down as one of our 21 players under 21 this year to look out for. I think she showed at a youth level the technical skill and the ability. She hasn't quite progressed in the same way that everyone does, but that doesn't mean that she can't do it. She scored some crucial goals for PSG this year in actually bringing them past Leon and winning their first league title. So I think it's too soon to kind of say, write her off completely. And I think this could be her tournament to really show what she's made of. Yep, and we know Canada, they love to ball out in the Olympics. Definitely an Olympics over a World Cup team, for sure, the Canadians. All right, the producers wanted me to, to pick a player to watch. So I went, you, you'll imagine, I went way off the board. Vivian Miedema, <laughs> right? How hard is this? Um, she, basically, if she's played on a team or in a competition, she's probably the all-time leading scorer for that team or competition. She's got a, like a great career story. First pro contract, 14, breaks through for her professional debut at 15. She's only 24 and she's got almost 100 caps for this Dutch national team. And the other reason I picked her is because if the U.S. stumbles in the group phase, if they finish second in their group and going up against Sweden and Australia, there's very much a possibility of that. They would get the number one team out of the Dutch group. I think it will be Vivian Miedema and this Dutch side. So we could be headed towards a World Cup final rematch in the quarterfinals of this tournament. But I see Herc over there. He's getting antsy because all we're doing is talking about the individuals and not the team. So let's get into the teams, Herc. Who you want to start with? Well, I want to start with Team Great Britain. I'm really interested in Team Great Britain because essentially it's England that qualifies for this tournament, but it's not England. There's a few add-ons. So give us a scouting report with Team Great Britain, please, Kathleen. Yeah, I saw you guys with Julie Foudy on it the other week and she said this is a team that might beat the US Women's National Team and I was surprised because I don't think this is a team that has clicked really well. Um, a lot of people have expected so many more brilliant things from England in the last couple of years and since they won the She Believes Cup, it just really hasn't been happening for them. You have amazing players like Sebi, you know I love Fran Kirby, she's in there and she's probably the one that has dragged this team through in the last year or so. You have amazing talents in there like Lucy Bronze, you have Kim have Steph Houghton and Ellen White who are so incredibly experienced but for some reason they just can't get themselves through. They played France in a couple of months ago and they just they looked completely disjointed and it's strange because 10 of this team are from Manchester City so you would think mm. that they would kind of have that connection together and that they'd be able to play but they haven't so I think this will really be the tournament where they need to prove that they can play as a team especially when you consider the fact that only two out of the whole roster are actually not from England uh, in Kim Lil and Sophie Engel, who are also co-captains of the side. I wonder how much the, the managerial situation yeah. there has to do with say. it as well. Lots of, uh, lots of change and a caretaker in charge uh, as we speak. What about other threats to the United States, Kathleen? As you look around the rest of the field, who do you see as the team most capable of knocking the U.S. out of this tournament? I think we, like a lot of the time Sweden get overlooked in this thing. They're already in a group with the U.S. women's national team. But I think because so many of the other mainland European leagues have progressed in recent years, we kind of forget at what the Swedish league has actually done 
again, 10 out of the whole roster play in Sweden. They've played with great legends, the likes of Marsha. And I just think they're an incredible side. They were probably one of the only teams this year that actually came close to beating the US women's national team. If it wasn't for that slightly dodgy Rapino penalty, <laughs> it probably would have been a 1-0 result to them. Um, and you have the experience as well as incredible that you have like Karen Segar, who's the most capped European player in history. Then you also have the youth players coming up, players like Hannah Benison, who play at Rosengard, who's only 18, but has already kind of caught the eye of a lot of very talented people who are watching her play and saying she could be the future of the Swedish team. So I just think that they're kind of one of the quiet ones that definitely shouldn't be ruled out in this whole competition. Okay, we all asked for it and we got it. An expanded roster at these Olympic Games. Am I loco? Am I crazy, Kathleen, for thinking this is a huge advantage for the U.S. women's team here? They are so deep. Absolutely. And I also think it's an advantage for the teams that asked for it, because if you look at the way some of the rosters lined up, teams like the U.S. Women's National Teams, you know, they brought on Macario and Williams. They had very experienced players on them. Same thing happened with Canada. They brought Sophie Smith and Jordan Hutima. But with Team GB, they seem to bring quite young players. And I don't know would they have brought those had they known that they were going to get these four extra players. Not to disregard the ones they have, Neve Charles, you know, she played in the Champions League final. They also have Ella Toon. Uh, Sonny McEver, they're all great players, but they're not the likes of Jordan Nobbs and maybe other players who would have made those rosters, had they? But of course, it's always going to benefit a team like the US Women's National Team. Like that is just such a strong squad. You still have to pick 18 on the day, but I just, the options you have to throw around there are just incredible. And I think it will, especially when it gets to the latter stages of the tournament and people are tired, I think it will benefit them amazingly. Kathleen, you know we love a good wager here on Football Americas. Let me put you on the spot. If you could take the U.S. or the field in this Ooh. tournament, any of the other 11 teams to win it all, who would you take? I think I'm still going to have to go with the U.S. women's national team. I just think the year off is going to have given them so much control and so much time to prepare for this. There's so many names in there who are going to want to prove themselves that I just can't see any other team really. I think I'm challenging them, but I can't see them actually beating them to it. I kind of hope I'm wrong, though. I would love a bit of a surprise. You heard it here, Seb. <laughs> history, you heard it here. They're going to make history. There you go. All right, Kathleen McNamee, a great leader for us on our women's soccer coverage. You can check out all her fine work over at ESPN.com. Herc, time to talk some fashion. We got jerseys out, dripping or tripping. This is Wolves' new home kit donned by none other than Raul Jimenez. What do you think? I think it's clean. Dripping, my man. I like how clean it is. I like the little look. Raul Jimenez back in action. They're using Raul Jimenez as much as they can because they know if he's healthy, he is gone. Absolutely. So remember when Wolves did a third kit that was just basically like a Mexico kit? I do. I definitely have one of those. Of course, with the Jimenez on the back. It's a beauty. I like this one though. I like all the logos. I didn't know they made that yellow. small jersey. That's uh, it's clean. Yeah, no, I had my a, son I, one. I had I had a shop in the in the youth youth <laughs> large youth Baby large gap. section. You know, <laughs> yay. Whatever it takes. I don't have arms like uh, Traore right there. I definitely nobody has those type jersey. of arms. Like what's going? So, like on? you did back in the day, back in your back in your uh, Santos day, you had some pretty big biceps. No, not like that. I wasn't oiling them up <laughs> like he does. <laughs> well, maybe you should have been. You could have ended up in Europe. All right, here's uh, Barcelona's new away kit. What? I don't even know what color this is. Is this it's like fuchsia? Morado. Purple. What's, that is what's purple. happening here? Dripping or tripping? Ah, that's tripping because it looks like a practice jersey. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It yep. looks like one of those training kits. And it doesn't... Uh, I like the color scheme. I really do. But it looks like a training jersey or a tennis shirt. And I'm not down with that. I'm trying to think what would Clinton say if he were here. He, he doesn't like the monochromatic, right? When everything's right. the same, yeah, the same like color. So I don't think he would be down with this Barcelona kit. I, I like sleep. it. I like it when I like it when Barcelona's away kit is bright. Right. I like it when it's bright. The neon, when it's a neon. Yep. Yeah. I agree with you. The producer's a Barcelona fan. He's trying to get in our ear. No producer. I know Sergio Dest didn't come out in person. I'm upset as well. Look at that. Pedri looks good in it. Pedri looks like a stud in it. And of course, you can catch uh, that new Barcelona jersey, which Herc just trashed, not Sebi. Uh, on La Liga next year, of course, uh, an eight-year deal that we've signed. ESPN, ESPN Plus, and ESPN Deportes. Your home for La Liga in English and in Spanish for the better part of the next decade. All right, Herc, time to wrap things up. 
Time for a parting shot, and how about these numbers? From our good friend Paul Kennedy over at Soccer American. What a weekend for soccer on TV in the United States. Over 19 million when you combine Gold Cup, the Copa American final, the Euro 2020 final. This leads me to the question. Is soccer finally, after this weekend, officially one of the major four sports in the United States? I'd like to think it is. But uh, if you think about it, Seb, the stars would have to align for there to be international tournaments every weekend for the mm -hmm. top teams of said international tournaments to play in there, the Italy. So is it a major Englands. sport or not? It's a major sport, ah, yes. So which one but did it there replace? there is no major league, and that is the problem. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Which of the major sports then has it replaced? Hockey, you gotta go. Four. Hockey, ah. you gotta go. <laughs> you're a regional, you're a regional uh, sport. You can sell out arenas, but no, I don't know. Honestly, the debate is, is, is so silly. Enjoy. Enjoy sports if you can. Enjoy football. Um, this, this is very the silly. What it shows me, silly, he says. What it shows me, on Football America what it says shows debate me, is Seb, silly. No, this debate is silly. What it shows me is there are other fans in this country who appreciate football. Something mm. that in our lifetime, we didn't really think we were going to see. We always talked about it. The sport of the future. Well, it's finally here. It's hip it's cool to wake up at four o'clock five o'clock in the morning and go see leads where you couldn't pick out of a map in a bar you know and drink and watch bielsa's team play it's cool all of a sudden and i enjoy that yeah i think it's neat that in this weekend we see all of soccer happen kind of at once right because usually the soccer audience is so fractured you never get a big enough number to realistically put it up against basketball's best properties or hockey's best properties. I would even say it's probably got a case, if not now, in the next few years to be a top three sport in the United States. I think baseball is next. If you say that, that soccer has already overtaken hockey, I think baseball is next. You know, we've had a lot of conversation in the last week about how marketable right. baseball stars are. I don't think that's a, a Mike Trout or a Shohei Otani problem. I think that's a baseball problem. I, I think younger generations think are right. tuning out on baseball. Uh, Lionel it's Messi doesn't rules. It's those silly rules, Sebi. Well, Lionel Messi doesn't speak English. Everybody in the U.S. knows who he is, right? It's never down Everybody the in the world knows who Lionel Messi is. Uh, Mike and Trout can walk around here States. in L.A., you're not going to pick him out of a lineup. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If we go off star power alone, I actually think you can make the case soccer is already overtaken baseball. But again, in a, a silly based debate, schedule, yes. For a event based, debate. yes. But it's silly, Sebby. Just enjoy it. Relax. I know, By the way, I know. great Clint work at the Euros. You killed it. Thank you. I know Clinton's going to come on the show, and now that we badmouth baseball, he's just going to have none of it. So uh, we'll have to get him on for his take as to see where, uh, where baseball stacks up in the soccer rankings. All right, hey, huge show coming up on Monday. Herc, we talked about El Salvador. They may end up winning Mexico's group. Hugo Perez, the former U.S. men's national team player, is their coach. He's going to be joining us, as will Ali Krieger. We look forward to talking to her about the Olympics. Again, the U.S. women opened their Olympic journey on Wednesday before the opening ceremony win. even kicks off. That's it for us. Enjoy your weekend. For Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar, and thanks for watching this edition of Football Americas. We got a lineup yet, Seb? You didn't even mention the shirt! Monday. I'm supporting my girls! Oh, there on. you go!